This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, I'm Martin Stark and welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together with some Saints experts to discuss all things Southampton Football Club. As always, we're streaming this live on our Facebook, our YouTube, our Twitter and our Twitch. And if you're watching along live tonight, you can leave your comments as we go. A massive thank you, as always, to our TSP patrons. And remember, anybody who joins our Francis Benali or Mick Shannon tiers before the end of August will land themselves an exclusive TSP t-shirt. You can find out more. It's patron.com forward slash Total Saints podcast. Now, as mentioned last week, we're doing shout outs for anyone who leaves us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and a huge shout out to everybody who's done that. Here's the names for you. Saint Cookie, Pinhead Saint, Alex Dobbins, Geo Baker, Mac Letizier, uh, The Boy Cook, Matt at Traytech. Peter Brum, Kev B, Ashley out now, Walton 9083, Jelly Burr and Ed 120VTS. Matt Elgar also left us a review and he said, I love this podcast, especially after a big win. So Matt's going to be a bit disappointed this week. And Rich says, I love listening on my Monday morning drive to work. So uh, thank you for your comments. Anybody who leaves us a decent review and a rating for this week will get a shout out next week. So head to Apple Podcasts and find the Total Saints podcast and do your best. Now, coming up this week, we've got two to review and two to preview. There was the narrow home defeat to Manchester United in the Premier League and our first ever game against Cambridge United in the League Cup. Plus, Chelsea visit St Mary's on Tuesday. Uh, That's an evening game ahead of a trip to Wolves at the weekend. Plus, the transfer window closes. Sorry, slams shut, of course, because it's the transfer window. That's on Wednesday. So we're going to be chatting about that as well. Let me introduce you to our panel for this week. Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus 10. And Jacob Tanswell is the Southampton FC reporter for The Athletic. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 205 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews, 
Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. And we start with a bit of sad news this week. Just after we finished recording last night, we got the news that former Saints midfielder David Armstrong had passed away at the age of 67. He was signed by Saints in 1981. Went on to play nearly 300 games, scoring 77 goals. I don't remember watching David Armstrong play, but I do remember he was very much part of the media pack on the South Coast. And Glenn, he was quite a player, just as you were kind of getting into football at the Dell. Uh, yeah, I know this is another... I get asked these questions when it, whenever it's an old person required <laughs> to talk talk about it, but fair play. I've said, I wrote a, a blog about it during the week. I, I feel sort of, a lot of getting old isn't great, but, uh, or being older isn't great, but it was, uh, it was nice to be around in the early 80s watching the team that Saints had around that time. And then David Armstrong was a, was a massive part of that. We, we kind of had two sort of great teams of that era. There was the 1981 team when he first joined, which was, Kevin Keegan, Mick Shannon, Alan Ball. An incredibly entertaining team with basically, we're going to score one more than you. That was it. And 4-3 home wins quite regularly, stuff like that. And the team that came second in the league in FA Cup semi-final, which is three years later, by which time Ball, Shannon and Keegan had all gone and been replaced by the likes of Peter Shilton and Frank Worthington. Steve Williams had properly come through. Steve Moran. And Armstrong was a was a massive part of both sides. He, he gave a natural balance on the left-hand side. I mean, I've got his goal record here. 16-8-15-10-10 in five consecutive seasons from midfield. And he wasn't, you know, like a Frank Lampard type who was always on the edge of the penalty area. He, he did a lot of work supporting the left-back as well. And his last season with us, when um, he was sort of hampered by injury a bit, he, he played a lot of games at left-back as well. So, he um he obviously knew knew how to defend, but he just had this this knack of arriving and, and scoring goals. He was a great player, set up loads of goals as well. And and in the context of both of those teams, he was quite understated. You know, he wasn't the biggest star in either of those teams. But I think it's quite it's quite telling that he in the in the team that came second, he won player of the year that year. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so it's um yeah, it's 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 a sad day whenever whenever people that you sort of grew up watching, you know, reach the end like that. He's kind of synonymous for me of a time when sort of football was better, <laughs> finances hadn't ruined it, <laughs> kits were better, grounds were better, everything. <laughs> It was just more but, fun, uh, wasn't it? It was more. It was more fun. That's maybe yeah. uh, nostalgia. Uh, some some there, wonderful so. tributes paid to to David Armstrong. I've read and uh, and seen a few of those this week. So thank you for that, Glenn. Uh, yesterday, a battling performance, but the game ended with a one nil win for Manchester United. Steve, let's come to you first on this one. On balance, did we deserve a point out of that game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, United would have complained if we'd um, if we'd snatched a point because. That's what they do, but um, <laughs> no, I think we were we were well worth something. But unfortunately, the difference was one individual moment of quality with the finishing from Bruno Fernandez. Where let's be honest, he's done nothing in the game, but we've left him unmarked on the edge of the area. And I mean, credit to him; it's a great finish for the goal. But apart from that, I thought I thought we were excellent. Created chances, caused them plenty of problems, and it was just just that final that final little finish. I think that just wasn't quite there for us yesterday but again plenty of promising positive things to come from the game I mean Lavia again was outstanding Bella Kotchap at the back a couple of brilliant uh, late interceptions to prevent a goal yeah I mean I, th- I think we were to be honest we were solid throughout I don't I don't think there's, even, there's anybody you could say that kind of even had a mediocre game even the players that were taken off fairly early in the in the second half like El Yanusi, for example he was pretty good first half I thought uh, tailed off a little bit after the break but 
Then Stu Armstrong comes on and basically picks up where he left off. So we were pretty good, I thought. Just one of those things where finish doesn't quite come off. Unfortunately, he's only had one real save to make. And that was a header that was basically straight at him from a Rebo. I mean, I think literally a foot either side, and I don't think he saves it at the, at the pace it comes at him. So that's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, we've we've not beaten them at home for was it 2003? The last time we it's a long time. Last yeah. time we beat them at home, and it's just one of the, one of those opponents who we just we just seem to have a problem with. It's it's annoying, particularly given the arrogance from their fans. Even though they're, I mean, they're in absolute shambles at the moment as a as a football club, and they have been for best part of a decade. Which for those of us who kind of grew up as a sort of child of the 90s for the most part, where basically everybody at school was um, was all the glory hunters were Man United fans. To see them on Facebook airing their woes for the last couple of years has been absolutely glorious. Been a joy, hasn't it? It's been an absolute joy. Jacob, you've watched the game twice now, I think. Was it just lacking something going forward? Is that is that where we missed out yesterday? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's exactly what everyone really knows anyway. But what I did enjoy, like the guys have said, I liked how solid they were and how much they were so well drilled in the shape, considering the whole pre-season was spent in a whole in a different formation, different way of playing, and he's just thrown it all to one side and said, we're going to go back to the back four, but we're not going to play the same as we did last year, but similar. So I quite enjoyed that. I thought the three new signings you know, in particular were really good. I thought Ariba, especially in that first half, caused Malassi all sorts of problems. Lavia, again, I just think he's, he's fantastic. And I saw against Spurs, I thought how good he was in possession. But every single time I see him, there's more that he adds to his game. And Jaden Sanchez just put something on his Instagram about an hour ago saying what a top player Lavia is. So I think that's certainly encouragement for the future. And Bella Kotchab, I just done a piece on him. I think he's, I think he embodied it because he is raw. He's very similar to Salisu in, in his characteristics, but he was so composed. And I think that just spread throughout the team. They all knew their jobs. And like you said, I can't really remember Man United really carving through him at any point. And I think that's a, a lot of encouragement for those that want to stick with a back four because it shows harshness that actually some of these guys can defend 1v1 and they are you know, defensively solid. So I think there's a lot of encouragement. And you know, like you say, I think there does need to be that little bit more telling quality going forward but everyone knew that anyway let's get on to the uh, the penalty that wasn't a penalty glenn because i know that we can probably spend about an hour discussing this yeah. um mark says i'd be interested to know your thoughts on the penalty shout i heard one pundit say that it shouldn't have been a penalty because mctominay wasn't looking at the ball since when's that been a rule and also the ball came in 30 yards he had plenty of opportunities to watch it but he was too busy grappling with with adam so what was your your take on that and 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 we're not really any further clearer with the rules it seems. If I'm being charitable to McTominay, he's grappling with Adams. Adams has chested it down. He hasn't meant to handball it, but at the end of the day, it's hit his hand. Adams was trying to chest it down to himself and McTominay's taken the next touch with a, with a sort of swinging hand and then it's hit his other hand. It's mad. I mean, Andy Madley didn't give it straight away. You know, instantly he he waved it away, and you assume that VAR had a look at it and decided that because he touched it twice, it was juggling, and there's no rule against juggling. <laughs> there is a rule against hand, but you know, handball is a rule, but juggling is not a rule. So that's probably why he got away with it. I don't know. It's it's just it's mad. I just um, I thought it was interesting on match of the day that they highlighted one that got given against Villa last week, where it was a header from close range that hit someone on the hand, and they they gave it a penalty, and they apparently 
PGMOL said that that shouldn't have been a penalty. So they were implying on match of the day that that probably counted against us. But it's it's the old consistency thing again, isn't it? You know, so great. Have we missed out because they gave one to someone else last week that was vaguely similar? I don't understand how it's not a penalty, having seen it. It just seems ridiculous. But are we surprised? No. Ralph's reaction was much the same as mine, I think. he, You know, he said, well, he's hit it three times, but... Apparently, that's not a penalty. What can you do? He just probably wanted to keep his 20 grand in his pocket, you know, rather than having to pay it out for what would be a perfectly reasonable complaint. Would it have been given at the other end? Probably. Would it have been given at Old Trafford if the roles were completely reversed? Almost certainly. You want to get annoyed about it, but it's not a lot of point. It's just one of those things you've got to suck up. You know there'll be another one next week for someone else that will will get given the, the rules seem to change every week and no one knows what the rules are anymore with handball it does seem that Vanessa says it was a bonus of seeing some NBA skills from McTominay yesterday um Steve is it the are we lacking a bit of experience in terms of getting in the ref's ear do you think is that one of the things you get when you've got younger players like we have when we were playing behind closed doors during COVID and you, you could hear Jack Stevens in the referee's ear from sort of start to finish do you think we're missing that bit of experience at the moment or or is that irrelevant because they've checked it and we're just never going to get those kind of decisions there's something to that I think when you've got experienced players who have kind of seen it all they know which buttons to push with certain referees Kevin Nolan was an absolute expert at this back through his career Bolton and West Ham certain players just constantly chirping in the referee's ear but if you do it in a certain way that kind of gets you on side with the ref in terms of sort of being being sort of friendly with them to to an extent but then when when the big decision comes um, hopefully you're going to get it you're going to get that 50-50 call in your favour. I'm not sure that would have really necessarily helped us in in this situation because there weren't any players anywhere near the referee at the time. It's not one of those where if Prousey, for example, is is kind of that senior player, if he's still 30 yards away from the referee, he's not in his ear saying, come on, ref, that's clearly got to go our way. Mm. Che, che, che Adams went full Braveheart on him, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he sort of like sprinted from the incident straight to Andy Madley and the game was going on and the ball happened to drop to him whilst he was complaining. So. I mean, it, it was it was interesting. The ball didn't, didn't actually then go out of play for about two minutes, I think. So um, while it was all going on, it was like, well, are we are we still going to have a still going to have a check at the at the point that it does eventually go out? But obviously they they were then they were obviously looking at it at the time. The talk about sort of seeing NBA skills. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that would be deemed travelling, wouldn't it? Travelling, yes. <laughs> Moving with the ball, yeah, not good. Glenn, I just want to talk about the defensive unit as a whole yesterday because Ralph was talking about how we seem more comfortable with a back four, and it feels like he he knows now his centre back pairing, and he probably wasn't sure going into the season, but they, they must have impressed you yesterday because I, I you know I thought they they did brilliantly well. Well, I think I said back at the start of the season that he probably in his mind wanted to play Belakochap and Salisu but didn't trust them to form a pairing you know it's a natural right foot left foot pairing on the face of it they're athletes they're both raw obviously they're both relatively young I think it's been well documented that he didn't didn't trust that so that's why he put the third defender in there almost by accident against Leeds he kind of threw that back four together and yeah it's like a, a, a switch has been flicked with certain players um also being able to trust Musa as an out and out left back um I mean there was a couple of naive bits of defending yesterday where he kind of went running out to I think Dallow is it the right back and he he got he got done a couple of times certainly because 
Dallow almost waited for him and then nicked the ball round him and that set up a chance in the first half. It's not going to be perfect, but I think those I think those four players, they really, you know, really have stepped up. It's the same thing when you watch the England national team. You you you, you want to see a back four because it enables you to get more attacking players on the pitch. And and it's it certainly seems to work for us, you know, giving us benefits further up the pitch, enabling us to uh, to press more. I'd be quite happy for that. You would think that P- Perot will come back in when when he's fully fit, but but at the moment, they, I don't see any reason whatsoever that we should revert to a back three. Maybe if he decides to do it against someone like Arsenal, who he's done it done it before, but certainly for a, for a normal game against you know a uh, an opposition that we can compete with I, I don't definitely don't see the reason any reason at all to uh, to change it and if you want an, another slap in the daily mail's face is the way those lads defended on in that instant in the first half just throwing themselves at it Carl Walker Peters nearly got his head kicked off in that yeah. and then Belakoch up throwing himself at the ball and you know the the expected save from Bazuna at the near post, all, all, all that sort of stuff is. Um, these are boys who are, who want to defend. They don't want to be passive, which was my criticism at the start of the season. You know, they want to throw themselves in front of the ball. They want to affect the strikers. They want to make it difficult for them to score goals. Keep it going. Um, Sonny says, "Evening, guys. Shame about the result, but feeling positive, especially with uh, better coach up. I know Jacob, you talked a little bit about some of the players, but he was one in particular. I thought could be decent in both boxes. Exactly. I thought." His marauding runs were just a part of a, a byproduct of being in the back three. But it seems like he's actually doing it now, even in, in a in, you know, a partner in Salisu. So I think that's really pleasing. If he can just slightly keep down his shots sometimes and just be a little bit, you know, just calm down. Just calm down. <laughs> you, know, you might be getting a nosebleed in that final third. But just, I think he, he will score. It's a bit like Joel Matip at Liverpool. I think it's really quite useful. When a team like Man United are just parking the bus in the last 15 minutes, you have a centre-back that can drive forward and commit players uh, towards the ball and try and disrupt an opposition low block. I think that could be quite useful. And I just hope sooner rather than later, one of those shots doesn't find the top of the top of the, yeah, top of the northern and actually goes in. But yeah, yeah, 20 years old, I think the way he's adapted and come in, you know, he's looked really, really solid. And I thought he would dive in a lot more. Uh, his, his decision-making in terms of when to stand up and when to go to ground is, is really good because I remember Wesley Hoyt when he first came and he just he just slide tackle for fun, didn't he? So, yeah, I think there's a lot of positive signs with better coach up. Quite a level head. Stop chuckling, Steve. Um, Early days, Steve, but 21 million for Lavia and better coach up is looking like a, a decent bit of business. Yeah, I mean, when do those uh, release clauses kick in? <laughs> Um, <laughs> this yeah, enjoy it while it lasts. yeah, well, this is, this is the thing. And I think that's one of the key things with this transfer strategy is that realistically, if those players do turn out to be as good as we think they are, they're probably not going to be around. We're probably not going to see the benefit of them for that long. But of course, we'll reap the financial rewards for it and then be able to hopefully progress, um, progress on to the, the kind of sort of next stage of it. I mean, both of those have looked absolutely at home from a very early stage, which we all probably expected it maybe to take up until up until the season break for the World Cup. For some of these players to be fully sort of up to speed and and in, and looking like a sort of key part of this team, but I mean, what are we four game? We're four games in now. I think you more or less. I mean, you could almost sort of ink in probably seven or eight of that starting lineup now. 
if you think back to Livramento when he came in last year and the way he hit the ground running, you, you kind of wanted him to be like that. But at the same time, that doesn't happen very often. But it seems like we have we've got the recruitment absolutely right so far, and some some incredible additions that have, have hit the ground running. So it's really good to see. You also just a slight caveat to that. You also have to remember that Tino was running out of gas a little bit before he before he got injured. Yeah. And if you look at like Salasu last season, first ten games he was great. And, you know, so this is the sort of thing that can happen with young players. Yes, they've made a very good start, but, you know, a word of caution because, that you know, it may it may tail off at some point. I mean, maybe maybe the World Cup, assuming those players don't actually go to the World Cup, it could, could be, be a, a blessing a in blessing disguise, So the it? young players can recharge a little bit before, um, and before we get to the second half of the season. The right thing at the right time. There was a... A decent win earlier in the week. Uh, Saints made nine changes for the cup game and we won 3-0. Ralph described it as a beautiful evening, which I thought was interesting. Jacob, your first trip to, to Cambridge, was it a beautiful evening for you? I think it certainly was. It was a very wholesome evening. I think afterwards, Ralph came out to speak to us. He, well, there was no press press conference room. He just came out, just arm on the fence. He was eating a bit of cake. He had one hand on his hip. I think he just absolutely loved the evening. He, you know, Everything about it was perfect. He gets a clean sheet. He got some fringe players playing. The, you know, the youth players played. Ballard scored. You know, the prodigy. It was just a really, really good. And something I really enjoyed because you know sometimes you think these Carabao Cup ties. Oh, you know, are the, is Cambridge going to make it difficult? You know, it's going to be a quite sticky up evening. And it was just really great. And I thought a lot of the players impressed. I thought Adam Armstrong was good. He started learning that left wing role. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why Ralph started him, to understand that. And the fact that him and Shay look like they're building a little bit more of a partnership, it should bear fruit in the future. So um, overall, yeah, lovely evening and a beautiful one, as Ralph says. Lots of positives, Glenn. Was it the debutants, really, that stole the show? Is is that the, the bigger picture? Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, it, you know, it's always nice when a kid plays his first game and scores. Everyone's, you know, been keeping track of Don Ballard because we always you always do with goal scorers for the young for the underage sides and um so it was uh, yeah it was going to be interesting to see whether at first team level albeit against a league one side does he have something about him and he he looked absolutely fearless from what from what i saw so it's, it's great for him to get a to get a goal i was i was impressed with the lad at right back as well lewis Payne. i thought he he did pretty well albeit not really tested defensively. It was a nice evening. I mean, adding to the, the, the wholesome element of it, did you see the interview with the Cambridge manager? He couldn't have been, uh, he couldn't have been nicer <laughs> if he tried. Mark <laughs> says uh, the Cambridge fans were very receptive and appreciative of the good moments. No, I didn't see it. Was he, was he just like in awe? It was almost cringeworthy. <laughs> it was so, I mean, fair play to him. I mean, I'll follow him now because of that and keep an eye on him. I hope, I hope he does well, but he... You know, he was he was very much about how they could learn from us, and that was the, even though they got beaten quite comfortably, they've they've got to take the lessons from it and all that sort of stuff. He's very very positive about the professionalism we showed, even with a fringe team, if you like. Yeah, it was a perfect day, wasn't it? A clean sheet, comfortable three 0 win, another couple of goals for Che Adams, which is no matter who they're against, goal scorers. It doesn't matter, you know, four goals in game and a half or whatever it is for Shea. And, you know, I thought he took that into the Manchester United game. I thought he played really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't so enamoured with the support players around him. But, I, um, but, you know, I, I thought he took his good form into that game. And um, he certainly seems more willing to shoot now 
that comes from the buzz of hitting the net, regardless of who you're playing against. So uh, overall, great game. And we got a good draw in the next round. So happy days. And a potential banana skin in years gone by, Steve. I don't know about you, but I just felt quite confident about this one. I thought, you know, it's, it's going to be all right. But in, in years gone by, that, that second round of the cup is where we, we tend to trip up. So it was a good a good performance and a good result. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, there was only one real sort of big shock, wasn't there? Fulham going out to Crawley. I think that's kind of just the way that competition is going now. The Premier League clubs have got such strength in depth in comparison to sides lower down. And at the end of the day, even even teams like Cambridge kind of don't really see it as a priority. There's no money to be made from the competition other than from gate receipts. And when their ground holds, what, about 8,000 8, or so, I think, there's not a huge not a huge amount of money in it for them so all they're all they're kind of risking is their players getting injured when they've got a 46 game league campaign to play so I I mean I think even they made they made a handful of changes for the game on Tuesday as well so that kind of showed where their priorities lie but I mean they were they were organized they were they were okay but they understandably they didn't particularly test us but I thought yeah from from our perspective it's it's one of those if you've got the if you've got the right attitude at even if you're a, a second string team at our level, playing against a team in, in League One, you should still have comfortably enough and kind of so it proved. We we were just it was it was one of those you could see the attitude was right, let's let's get get this done. And actually in the first half, the probably the only thing I could be critical about was that we kind of overplayed a little bit in the f- in the first half. There were there were quite a few moments where we got into into good positions, sort of around the edge of the area, and either someone tried to play that sort of Hollywood through ball for somebody, and it didn't either overhit it or it got intercepted, or we took too long to um, to get a shot away. There were there were a couple of ropey finishes as well. I think Diallo shanked one, a couple cleared off the line as well. I'm not quite sure how the guy managed to back heel that one from um, from El Yunusi. I think it was. The only criticism is it wasn't another sort of Newport, really. But that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of uh, picking up bones, really, a little bit. What was the bigger story this week, Jacob? What was the bigger headline? Was it the, the, the lads that came in, like Don Ballard, Diamond Edwards as well, wasn't it? Lewis Payne. Or was it the fact that Jack Stevens, Nathan Redmond, Theo Walcott, not involved and people starting to, to question about their, their futures? I think it's certainly the second one, uh, Martin. I, th- I think it's Ralph's way of saying you've got to go now. I think it's quite a clear indication if he wanted to sell these players June, July and not being involved in a game you would typically you know, expect them to be in. I think just showed you that they need to move on and hopefully there can be a resolution the next week. Otherwise, at least some of these in, in a potentially difficult position. Whether there was injuries on you know some parts, who knows? But I think Ralph made it clear in his in the press afterwards by saying that you know these guys are are behind the young lads now, and Don Ballard is the guy that they're going to invest you know their time and effort in rather than Nathan Redmond, who's been here you know for God knows how long, five six years, and been you know was a once a real favourite. And the fact he's now getting phased out, like Jack Stevens, even if you know when Jan Benrick leaves as well. You know, it's quite you know significant thing as well. And I guess you're going to agree, Glenn, in that we talked a lot last year about sort of loyalty and players on the bench, where actually we knew they were going or they shouldn't have been kicking around. Really, it, it looks like that's a bit of a change in in Ralph's thinking this year. He's been pretty clear with the fact that that they're not going to be involved. Well, I think the timing of the game is significant as well. I think maybe if the you know the transfer window had already shut, I think those three players may may well have been involved. But there's nothing really to be gained by picking players who you might be selling in a, in a game like that at, you know at, the, at this time one week before the transfer window closes i definitely think we need to you know one centre half needs to go i don't think we can sell both 
if both Stevens and Badnerak left, all of a sudden that leaves us a bit short, unless he's got confidence in um, Simeo to step up, which doesn't appear to have had so far. So it will be very interesting to see what happens in the next three or four days or whatever it is. But uh, but no, I think I think we can safely assume that uh, a couple of those who weren't playing will be on the way. It's going to be a busy week because the, the transfer window closes. A couple of games as well. Chelsea on Tuesday night. This is the 7.45 kickoff. Um, Steve, one of the games to forget from last season, really. Bit of a, a heavy defeat. What what are you expecting on Tuesday? Hopefully not another 6-0. Well, no, I'd hope not. I mean, certainly given given Chelsea, Chelsea's performances have been a little bit a little bit iffy. I mean, they were, they were very good against, ironically, very good against Spurs in the game they didn't win. But the games they have won, I mean, I've seen that saw saw the Everton game and I've seen kind of highlights from yesterday against Leicester and they've been they've been a little bit little bit ropey you kind of look at Chelsea you just think there's there's something not quite right there I'm not sure anybody's able to quite put their finger on exactly what it is I mean Tuchel's system seems to have a complete sort of aversion to any concept of a centre forward which can work in in certain games, but I think I think there are there are a lot of games. I mean, particularly against the the weaker sides in the division, where you just need you just need a good number nine who's gonna who's gonna put the ball in the back of the net when you create plenty of chances for them. And they've got rid of both Lukaku and Werner, which I mean for us is great because both of them both of them absolutely love playing against us. They always scored, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they they're a they're a bit of a conundrum, Chelsea at the moment, and I think. I mean that while they should still be there or thereabouts in the league, I I do wonder whether they may have um, slipped behind certainly Spurs and maybe maybe even Arsenal at this stage. That's going to hurt them, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, massively. <laughs> uh, Glenn, what are you expecting from from Tuesday? What have you made of Chelsea's start to the season? Uh, much much the same as Steve's. They they that's what Steve said. They they've been very very strange. He seems to be trying to shoehorn players in where you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be. Reese James is, in my opinion, the best right wing back in the country and Ooh, careful they, the, scout, the scouts will be after you <laughs> I don't care <laughs> they play him at right centre back and they play Ruben Loftus-Cheek over there you wouldn't have thought that was that was his game um, I know Conor Gallagher had, had a, he's not going to play I assume because he got sent off the other day but he's not the sort of player that would normally get a game in Chelsea's midfield it's been much stronger in, in, in recent years and, and as Steve said the, the issues up front Havertz Looked a very good player at the end of last season. He hasn't been firing so far this season. Sterling can be brilliant. He can also be awful. So I don't really know what what to expect from Chelsea. Oh, one thing we can expect, Mason Mount will play well, despite not playing well against anybody else. He he always plays well against us. Nailed on. Yeah, so again, I'd I'd like us to go into this game believing we can win it and hopefully not scarred by the, you know, the 6-0 defeat last year was atrocious. I mean, we did. We did nothing that game. We just turned up and got hammered. Was that was the game where Werner hit the post twice in a minute and Ralph didn't change anything until we were four 0 down or something like that. Yeah, four 0 down at half time. Awful, we, I think. awful, yeah. awful game. Um, so, so we haven't got a lot to beat in that regard. Um, not get beat six nil, but um, yeah, I mean, they, they, a couple of new players, haven't they? That the fullback from Brighton, Kula Bally, who seems to be, in, I think he's injured now. So the. Fafana, I don't think will be with them in time for the game against us. So, uh, yeah, so I, d- I don't really know what to expect from Chelsea. But again, it's another one of the the big clubs, and so they're going to be decent. It's not going to be, 
it won't know, be easy. It's not going to be an easy go for us, that's for sure. And Jacob, it's a, a quick turnaround these Tuesday night games. So, do you think we stick with the same team? Is he? He's not going to want to change that 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 team that, is, that seems to be performing and, and just starting to click and, and purr a bit. I, I think he should, especially this early on in the season. That you know, they're getting used to the the system quicker than I thought they would, especially if they had no preparation preseason with it. But that's you know, entirely different points altogether. So, I just think they need to go with it. Keep with the same rhythm. I do want to see more from Adi Yunus, and I've said that, I've thought this for a while. He strikes me as an strikes me as a nice footballer. Like you after games you leave it, you think he's done all right. But there's so many times where he gets himself into good positions and he lets himself down with that final ball. He's not he's not a killer. I want him to be one of those number tens that are just a killer and they can produce things. So there's one moment in the pre- last game where Che did superbly well to back off Martinez and he wanted Adi Yunus to be closer to him and he wasn't there. I think I just feel the Saints need a little bit more from the, the number ten the right wing, wherever you think he, he plays. But he, so, did, he did play that yeah. absolutely ridiculous through ball for Adams yesterday, where obviously Adams then kind of fell over himself and shanked the shot. <laughs> um, but I mean, ha- I mean, quite how he <laughs> threaded it through that through that gap, I'm I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, so you can you can see the talents there. It's just, it's consistency. But then part of that is that's kind of why he's playing for us and not someone better. Yeah, I always think with him, it's his pace that lets him down. He, he and it's. It's not just the sprint speed; it's the the speed he does things. He, you know, he makes himself a, a space sometimes, and then just whatever action he's about to do next, be it the pass or dribble somewhere or whatever, just never seems to do it quite quickly enough. Is that where we're back to? And I'm just thinking back to some of the debates and discussions that we had last season. Uh, aside from the goalkeeping one, which I think we've now um, finally solved, the other one we had every week seemed to be about the number tens, and we were just lacking the the quality there. So is that then, Glenn, just what we haven't addressed and and what we need to do before Wednesday? I I think so. Yeah, I think with Che Adams sort of showing the form that. That he's in. If I if I had to choose between signing a number ten and the centre forward, I'd probably go for a number ten. But you know, it's a it's a toss of a coin, really, isn't it? You know, Sekumara looks promising. Could he play, for example, the role that Elianusi played? Would that give us more of an attacking threat? I don't really know with him whether he's more suited to being a sort of wide striker or is he a an up up the middle centre forward type? So I don't know. I, I mean, I felt yesterday that. It was the it was the number tens, if you like, the the three of them, Elianusi, Adam Armstrong, and Ariba. They all had good moments, but I did feel that they weren't quite at the same level as the rest of the team. When the substitution board went up straight away, even before I saw the number, I knew I knew it was Elianusi going going to go off because I felt like he'd certainly since half time he'd, he'd really sort of like gone. So there's still no one really putting their hand up to say this is my position and I'm going to keep it for the rest of the season. Whereas elsewhere in the team, you know, we've, you know, Bella Kolchap has come in and gone, yeah, I'm the man. Lavi has come in, I'm the man. Those number 10 positions there, I mean, Steve said, eight out of the, eight of, out of the 11 positions have more or less sort of like cemented them. Yeah, for me, it's more or less those three behind the striker that, still up for grabs. We're still waiting. Well, Jacob, you were the only one to correctly predict a defeat. So you got yourself one point because uh, we, we'll gloss over Steve's 3-0 to Saints, uh, which which on the Monday night was, <laughs> was uh, yeah, was uh, soon dismissed, I think, by the rest of us. So, Jacob, you get the honour of going first um, mm. for predicting the, the Chelsea score. So how do you see this one playing out? I'm going to go for a 1-1. I think Salam's going to start off really bright. I just feel perhaps towards the end, Chelsea's strength and depth, their five subs off the bench could just ground out Salamson. But yeah, a positive draw, I'd say. Okay, Steve? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, to be honest, I was going to say exactly the same. So I'll um, I'll stick with one all as well. Stick with the one all. Uh, Glenn, 
You going for a, a, a? I for the record, I think we're. I don't think we're going to get much. I think we might lose two nil. Uh, Glenn, what are your thoughts? Ah, oh, you miserable bunch of people. <laughs> um, I'll. Um... You going for the home win? Oh, I don't know. That's a bit silly, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, yeah, welcome go on, to my world. Go on, then. Go on, then. Let's have a let's have a little two-one win. A two-one, a cheeky two-one win. All right, okay, nice. Um, Wolves is uh, the game after that. That's on Saturday, three o'clock kickoff at Molyneux. Another one we lost last season, Steve, but it did give us the greatest goal. We had that James Ward-Prowse free kick, which I've seen on repeat again this week. People have been sharing that. Wolves have had a, a, an indifferent start haven't they? This could be a, a slightly different game on, on Saturday. Yeah, and all, all of a sudden there seem to be loads of issues there in the background. I mean, I see Willy Willy Bolly, one of their centre-halves, was supposed to be on the bench today against Newcastle and basically just didn't show up. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> God knows what the hell's going Going. They're not. They're not recording the new Amazon documentary, are they? It's not... Uh... I mean, they've, they've obviously <laughs> spent a lot of money again on Portuguese players, which um, definitely nothing, nothing uh, dubious... Uh, through that agency whatsoever but they look they look a bit weird I mean they've got no centre forward at the moment of of any repute Raul Jimenez is not the player he was pre um, head injury um, obviously apart from that game where we made him look brilliant again uh, last season they look like they've got a bit more energy about them based on today's performance compared to their sort of first game of the season uh, but they, I thought against Spurs last week they looked they looked quite good um, but just had nothing up front at all if that's the case this week, I mean, you would imagine they're probably going to try and get someone in before the window shuts because, I mean, they're just not going to score any goals if they um, if they stick with what they've got. If they're still still that sort of relatively sort of impotent, then I think we've got every chance. But it's not a it's not a ground we've traditionally done that well at. We'll see. It's a place where we can go and get a, a positive result, though. Certainly this season, you feel, Glenn. It always, I think that every year when we go there or when we play them at home. And it annoys the living hell out of me that we never beat them. It really does because they they don't they never seem to have much about them. They play usually really boring football. They've got a couple of good players who was who are still the good players like Neto on the wing and um, Neves in the centre midfield. They're still the main men. Um, as Steve said, Jimenez is not the same player, which is sad for him because it's you know it's horrible the way it the way it came about. They they have some players who I just think like Semedo right back is dreadful and he was getting ripped apart today as well you know we just got to put some pressure on him you know one of the likable things about them was Connor Cody who's now gone so to me they're a team without much identity um, other than mirroring their manager who's from the um, Claude Puel school of not being particularly exciting there's a name I didn't think we'd hear for a while. Well, yeah, I just thought I'd <laughs> drop, it in, drop, drop it in from time to time to remember. We've already had time. Wesley Hoot mentioned tonight. So yeah, not I know. So, <laughs> so I don't like them, as as Steve alluded to. I find some of their transfer fees that they pay and receive somewhat questionable. Um, it's a it's a strange setup going on there with, with the agency. So I do hope that we, um, we go out there and uh, give them a turn and over, but... I've thought that many, many times over the last three years, however long they've been in the Premier League, and its uh, I don't think it's happened yet. Have we beaten them? Uh, beat them at home. It's been a long time since we've beat them in the Championship. Yeah, Is it the Championship, that one when we six. scored six yeah, goals? We, six yeah, with well, Sakonoski. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking yeah. since they come up to oh, the yeah, Premier no, League. Uh, no, we, we, won in, no. we won in the FA Maybe Cup. In the cup um, oh, yeah, yeah, we won 2-0 up there, yeah. didn't we? But Jake, Jacob, yeah. these are the sort of games that we're going to look at and go, well, we need to be winning these, don't we, really? You know, you lose at home to Manchester United and that's fair enough. Maybe 
get a negative result against Chelsea, but certainly Wolves is, is one that we need to be picking up some points. Yeah, definitely. I think Wolves, they're in a state of uncertainty as well because they've changed system this, this year, which I think could play into Salampton's hands because I used to get sick to death of their wing-backs, especially the way Salampton play with such a narrow system. The boys kept getting switched to the wing-backs all the time and they would have so much time on the board because they would be the three men. So the fact they're playing now, they're playing a back four uh, could help Salampton. And there's a lot that they still need to adjust and you know, they need to integrate these new signings. They're £45 million pounds for, a, for a Portuguese player. And they need to adjust to the, the system as well. And it shows... And at the moment, it's looking like they, they are. But as you guys say, they haven't got that clinical striker. So there's a lot of similarities between Slamton and Wolves at the moment. And I think if Slamton can really get on that front foot, can be nice and positive, then they can take the game to, to Wolves. OK, let's get some score predictions from you, Steve. Um, I think I'll repeat repeat the Chelsea one, one all. I think I, I, I just don't see us winning up there. It's just one of those places that no matter no matter how well we play, they'll they'll scramble something. Cool. It's going to be a miserable podcast next week if we just get two points. Oh, uh, I'll take, Glenn. Two, take two points from, from those games, to be honest. Be right. Um, well, I, as, I've, as I've gone for the silly score against Chelsea, I better go for a realistic one here. Uh, I'll go for a two-all draw. Two-all. Do you know what? I thought Actually, two-all. no, cancel, cancel that. I'll go nil-nil. Nil-nil draw. <laughs> all, right, all right. Okay. Well, I've gone for the two-all. So, uh, and Jacob, it's a long journey for you. What do you reckon? I'm going to go 1-0 Salamson, I think. I'm going to give you the goal score as well. I think Shea Adams is going to nick it at the death. Oh, all right. I don't know if you get any bonus points for, uh, for that. <laughs> I'm but, trying. But we should say, I've, I've made a note of it anyway. And, but I put uh, a bet on. And we should say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, get your money on. Any other business today, obviously, is going to be about transfers. Lots of rumours flying around. Jacob, you're the guy with the ear to the ground on this. Um Deadline day is Wednesday, I think. So uh, there's a chance by the time you're listening to this, then we, we may have signed a few. There may have been a few go out. You're expecting a busy 24, 48 hours, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think we did a piece a couple of weeks ago on about the amount of players that could be sold, and it's virtually nearly everyone that has a you know everyone has a price really. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see the players that will go out. We've mentioned Stevens, Redmond, Walcott. You know what happens with Alex McCarthy situation. You know James Garner if he potentially comes in, could Romeo, could Ibrahim Diallo go out? So there's so many moving parts, and it's funny because I see all these links on Instagram, on Twitter. You know Gonzalo Ramos seems to be the one that everyone seems to love. And I've had, you know, about 50, 60 DMs about him. And it just seems like these transfer rumours just get a life of its own because it just snowballs on social media. But it's been it's been really fun. And I'm looking forward to it. I think a full back has to be a priority. I know Musa Janep has done well, but they do need one. I think a midfielder could be James Garn if one of them goes. And and a striker, of course. Uh, whoever that will be, um, we'll, we'll see, I think, in the early part of next week so it's gonna be a really interesting part and I've never known a window coming correct me if I'm wrong where there's so so many uncertainties coming in and out so yeah really exciting and hopefully something one of the ones that Sky Sports uh station a journalist outside their training ground for <laughs> do they still do that after the old uh no. what, in, in, in <laughs> <the year? laughs> they they, they... They go, they go to a private area, don't they? I think they're allowed into the club, so there's no fans around. <laughs> the other rumours this week, of course, Maitland-Niles, potentially, um, from Arsenal. Um, would that be a good one, Glenn? Is there anybody that, that jumps out for you? Was- Maitland-Niles, there's, there's been stories over the years about his attitude not being the best. I kind of hope we've moved away from that. We, we've we've bought the wrong player ourselves a couple of times. I'm thinking Mr. Lamina, who just thought he was better than he was. Um, Maitland-Niles, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the you know if it's the agent putting it around because 
we were linked with him before he went on loan to West Brom. You know, he was he was back then. He was very particular about where he wanted to play, and he, he didn't want to play fullback. Um, and if if we if we got him in, then yeah, he'd be what would he be? Third choice central midfield. He's not going to play if Warprouse and Lavia are fit. He and he'd be a backup fullback. So I personally, I don't see that one happening unless he's had a major um, major change of um, attitude to the whole thing. So uh, on the face of it, it'd be decent. But um, I, yeah, I think there's there's many reasons why that one won't happen. And Steve, there's plenty of players that I think you would personally drive um, to new clubs, but Romeo is probably not one of them. That's been a, a strong rumour this week that uh, Oriol Romeo might be, be off. It'd be sad to see him go if he does. It would, but also it would be one of those one of those situations where I think everyone kind of accepts that he's now not first choice. And kind of the back end of last season probably pointed to a lot of the reasons why in that it looked as if his legs were kind of going a little bit. I mean, I still think he's probably the best player that we've got at the club in terms of if you pass the ball to him with three or four players around him, he's probably still the the one that I would trust the most to be able to pick the pass, take the ball into his feet and, and find a teammate with it. Time catches up with with all of us, and um, especially so in uh, when you're a sort of finely tuned athlete at the at the top of the top of his game. And I think ultimately, if he if he got a if he was offered, say a three, I mean, I've heard talk that he's been offered a three year deal at Girona, which is basically home. Yeah, if if that opportunity came along and he wanted he wanted to take it and he wanted to go and play regular first team football, I'd be disappointed if the club stood in his way on that one. Yeah, we wish him well. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not only the men's team that managed uh, a decent comeback of late. The women's team were 2-0 down with 30 minutes to go today in their game and uh, managed to rescue a point. I think Laura Rafferty scoring the equaliser. So a uh, decent result for uh, for them today. Anyway, they're off the uh, the board in terms of points. Um, we've got through again so much tonight. That's pretty much it for this week. Don't forget you can follow the Total Saints podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Total Saints Pod. Uh, the website is totalsaints.co.uk. That includes a link for our online shop, which is the Total Saints icons. Uh, you can also drop us an email via the website during the week if you like. Don't forget we're on Patreon, where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. That's Patreon forward slash Total Saints Podcast. There are four different tiers ranging from £5 to £20 a month, each one with different benefits. Some of them include a shout at the end of the pod, including uh, Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, who are in our Francis Benali tier. We've got Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in our Mick Shannon tier. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to Glenn. Thanks to Jacob. Have a great week, chaps. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your comments. And we'll see you again soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.